Hello, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's podcast, podcast number 51. My special guests are professional voice teacher and researcher Rachel Goldenberg and physiotherapist Jessica DeMars. These inspired women have teamed together with a one of a kind program called Breathe, Sing, Move. This is a new program combining respiratory physiotherapy and singing for better lung health. They're working with patients with lung disease. These two ladies are doing wonderful work, and you can learn all about it here on the Full Voice Podcast. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, teaching strategies and resources for voice teachers working with young singers. Now, here's your host, Nikki Loney. I'm so excited. So Jessica, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today on the Full Voice Podcast. Well, thank you for having us. Thanks. Now, Rachel and I, we met in uh, Vegas this past year. That sounds ominous. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I met uh, Rachel. We had actually, truth be told, Rachel, I was eavesdropping on your conversation with Shannon Coates. And, And then I was like, I, I kind of want to know what you guys are talking about. And then we started talking about your research. And then, of course, I, I asked you if you would be on the uh, podcast and you said yes. And I was so happy. So I'm so thrilled that you are here. Um, now, I would like everybody to get to know a little bit about both of you, about your backgrounds. Uh, Rachel, you're a voice teacher. You're a researcher. You, uh, you're doing amazing things. And Jessica, you're a physiotherapist. Yes. So why don't we start with Rachel? So Rachel, give us a little background of, of, about your story. Probably. Well, I'm, I'm a voice teacher, as you said. I teach at a university. I have a private studio and I work with Jessica at um, Breathe Well Physio doing voice consultation. Um, so I've, I mean, I have multiple degrees in, in uh, voice and voice teaching. So I started out... Um, my undergrad was at Westminster Choir College and I got kind of, I hit the jackpot in that my first pedagogy teacher was Scott McCoy. Wow. So, yeah. And it was just as he was writing his textbook that a lot of universities use now, I think it's the number one textbook. (laughs) Um, so I I actually read from his manuscript, which was kind of cool. Um, but I got really lucky that I got such inspirational teaching like right off the bat. And I stayed on for my master's degree there. And uh, my other pedagogy teacher was Marvin Keensey. So I got really lucky. And um, then I went and did my doctorate in vocal pedagogy at Shenandoah. And um, that was very heavy in vocal health. I'm not sure if it still is now, but at the time, um, we had coursework in, in vocal health. And then I spent many, 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 many hours in, um, different voice clinics throughout the, throughout the U S and, uh, I got really interested in it and it was, it was really cool. Um, and one day I was sitting down with my mom who is a physician and I was telling her, uh, about how, how much, I was enjoying doing the vocal health thing. Mm. And my mother is, um, she's a psychiatrist, but she is actually one of the clinical directors at the cystic fibrosis clinic in Calgary. So, so she says to me, well, you know, in our clinic, 
we have a woman who sings and I think she does really well with her lung function because of her singing. And because my head was swimming with, you know, voice science and physiology and, um, and vocal health, I was going, Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder why that is. So, <laughs> so, um, I started reading about, uh, about cystic fibrosis and I started reading about airway clearance um, and I started reading about physiotherapy and I started reading about all kinds of things. And the more I read, this eventually turned into, into my dissertation. Um, but the more I read, the more I realized that what I was reading in the medical world was the same thing that I was reading in the vocal pedagogy world. So for example, things like high velocity airflow, pressure oscillations, deep breathing. <laughs> like, huh, I've seen that before. And uh, so I turned that into my dissertation where I gave singing lessons to four adult cystic fibrosis patients. And um, I looked at the effects of nine weeks of lessons on their lung function, um, a specific measurement called um, forced expiratory volume in one second, um, which is the gold standard for changes in CF patients, okay. um, and also their quality of life um, measured by a tool called the Cystic Fibrosis Questionnaire. Um, and yeah, so that's how that all came to be. And a couple of years down the road and a couple of kids later, I met <laughs> And I said, you know, I'd really like to continue some of my some of my dissertation study, um, would you be interested in doing a group voice lesson with me? And she said, you should mention that. I was just thinking of doing some group pulmonary rehab. So for people with lung disease, doing rehabilitation for them. And so this kind of as we sat, I think, at a coffee shop and uh, went, well, I was thinking this. Well, I was thinking this. Well, I was thinking this. We realized that it all kind of um, fit together. Yeah. How the universe just plays out, right? Yeah. Uh, now, Jessica, you are a physiotherapist, but are you specializing in lung, lung health? Yes, I have a special interest in um, lung health, yes, but in breathing patterns in general. So mm. I have for the past 10 plus years now, um, been, um, attending courses, um, kind of researching on my own, practicing clinically, looking into the impacts of breathing patterns on health, mm -hmm. um, in both people with lung disease and people without lung disease, um, and kind of just, yeah, kind of narrowing what I did before, which I was a traditional musculoskeletal private practice therapist. Mm -hmm. And um, it just kind of has kind of narrowed a little bit more into um, dealing with any and all things breathing, which actually turns out isn't so narrow after all. So um, yeah, so that's, that's where my focus is. I was reading about the numbers, the number of people who have the diseases. Um, and can you enlighten everybody? There's a lot of people out there with breathing and respiratory problems. Yes, there is. And so I can give you that kind of the Alberta numbers, 600,000. 600,000. Yeah. 
people in Alberta with lung disease. So that could be anything. So asthma, um, most people are familiar with. COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, Mm -hmm. um, which is generally, um, you know, it's, it's like asthma only worse because it's not reversible. So one of the things about asthma is it's a, it's, it's a reversible disease. So you have airway inflammation and spasm and you, you can't breathe. You take your medication, voila, you can breathe again. Right. With COPD, it's not quite that simple. There's permanent changes to the lung structure. Um, so you have decreasing lung function and over time it, it does get worse. It's a progressive disease. Um, and yeah, so it's an extraordinary amount. I believe we're, it's, it's typically about 8% of the population for COPD wow. and another, I think 8% for asthma. Um, and IPF. Uh, so idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, it's more, it has typically been one of the more rare diseases, but is, it seems to be gaining, um, uh, strength, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a restrictive disease. It's a different type of, of lung disease. Um, and again, all you know, when we're getting into the COPDs and the IPFs, these are progressive lung diseases. Right. Um, and they get worse over time. And um, breathing clearly has a <laughs> has a fairly large impact on that. So w- what I work with is trying to improve what you've got. Mm-hmm. You know, work with what you've got. Try to delay progression. Mm-hmm. Improve quality of life and kind of singing goes along with that as well. I think the best explanation that you ever gave was we've done every kind of pharmacological intervention at this point. Medicine isn't, medicine will continue to help you, but let's think outside the lung. Yeah. I say that a lot. (laughs) See what else, see what else we can do to enhance, not necessarily to reduce the pulmonary, like the actual measurable things that would show up on a pulmonary function test, but to reduce the symptoms and then improve the quality of life. Exactly. Because if we're not improving quality of life, then what's the point? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's the beauty of, of incorporating singing. I mean, singing, and as, as you know, has been discussed and documented, and now, of course, there's tons of research about all the benefits of singing. Uh, so it's kind of a win-win. They get to sing, and, and yet it helps their lungs at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, there there are so many there's so many benefits to singing. Um, you see the memes pop up on <laughs> right social media all the time. Singing clears your sinuses and it makes you happy and all of this. And um, it's true. There's really no it's downside. True. Yeah, like really. <laughs> so your your program, breathe, sing, move for better lung health. I'm I would love to know how you both work together with the participants in your class? So um, we've, we've done two sessions now. Mm-hmm. Um, our first session ran for, what was it, 14 weeks? 13 weeks. 13 weeks um, in over the winter time, okay. um, which had its challenges, but we, we can... Especially <laughs> in the past winter especially heavy yeah. snow. You know, if you've got lung disease, that cold, snowy air just mm. doesn't look very appealing. So we had some attendance issues. Also, it's hard to drive in it. And if you've got an oxygen tank, then the, uh, you know, the tubing can get stiff and you have to drag it through the snow. And uh, so probably not going to do that. <laughs> so we, had, we had some challenges with that. Right. Um, but overall, it was, it was very successful. Uh, so, and then we ran another six-week program, a shorter program yep. to sort of reduce that burden. 
uh, on attendance uh, this last June, and I and we had some we had some success with that too. The generally, um, you know, I look at them. I look at these classes as a, a group vocal technique class. It's not mm-hmm. a choir, and it's not a singing like a sing along. Right. It's very important to me. Um, there is this is the place where you come to learn how to sing and improve your your technique because. You know, if you improve that, then we're covering, you know, the the breathing issues and we're covering the way that you're using your voice. A lot of people with lung disease have secondary vocal health issues um, because they're just not getting the right, very good airflow, right? And so they get mm. stiff in the in the extrinsic muscles and they start to squeeze and they, you know, because they're not able to regulate the airflow, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So um, we get a lot of people that talk down here in vocal fry and we get a lot of people that are very breathy and people that can't project and and you look at them and they're very stiff and um, not using their bodies well. And if, if they came to me for a for a singing lesson, um, we'd probably be spending the first four or five lessons just doing body stuff, posture right. and breathing, right? Because that's if you can't if you haven't solved those problems in a vocal in a in a voice lesson, um, you're going to have a lot of trouble doing other things, <laughs> right? So um, the nice thing about having Jessica is ar- around is that she can take that to another level mm. uh, because she can look at somebody and see that they are excessively tense in the neck or in the tongue, and right. she has all kinds of tools at her disposal to deal with that, Um and she can also, you know, be an extra set of hands to, you know, keep your keep your chest still and let's let's work on moving the belly, right? I often people. I'll often walk around. So when we we usually divide the class up, I do the kind of the start of the class with some breathing breathing exercises and some movement, right? The breathing, mm-hmm. the move part, um, maybe stretches, maybe body movement. This time around, I think we're going to add a little bit of strengthening to it as well. And we um, use the- the inspiratory yeah and so and inspiratory muscle training so I do that kind of part and then um Rachel will kind of segue in with more breathing and vocalization exercises and at that point I kind of walk around with everyone and provide a little bit of hands-on feedback especially for those people that are really struggling with figuring out how to do a diaphragmatic breath and they're really Mm. up into their chest and I I really try and help them sometimes I've pulled them aside and done some one-on-one work with them just to try to get them to, you know, be breathing better so that they can actually Mm -hmm. participate in singing. Um, Because if they can't get a a really good breath in, they're going to have a really hard time creating sound. So true. What a great team. It's awesome, actually. (laughs) I'm jealous. I want a physiotherapist in my lessons helping me. (laughs) I actually send a lot of my university kids to her too. And and some of my private students where, you know, you get that student where you're like, uh, you know, I know that your breathing isn't great, but we've got only 12 lessons to get through your jury. Why don't you go see Jessica? Well, <laughs> why not? Of course, because her focus would be different from a voice teacher. So that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's worked out really well in it. And then I now I'm sending a lot of my respiratory patients that come in they get sent to me for shortness of breath issues and sometimes chronic cough and sometimes and I want to so how's your voice have you noticed some change oh yes and you mm-hmm. know because I can hear it and I'm like oh, I know there's something wrong I don't really know what to do about it so I'd like you to go see Rachel so that she can give you some strategies 
to improve how you're using your voice. I love it. I love how you you both complement each other. Yeah, it works out really well. We can all get along, can't we? <laughs> that's <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the team approach. It is. And that's and honestly, especially when you're dealing with lung health, it's mm-hmm. it is a team approach. It has to be. And the really cool thing is is that I I've done a lot of groundwork um in Calgary here to get specialists on board with what mm-hmm. I'm doing. And um, a few of the um, team members in respiratory health that I've talked to are quite excited that I'm working with Rachel and some of the specialists are, as well are quite excited that I'm working with Rachel. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's really, it is really cool. It's, I, I, I'm really excited for our future with just this program and how we're working together um, as word gets out. I've got a few presentations actually coming up in September mm-hmm. that will probably um kind of be a tipping point for us as well. Mm-hmm. I am so excited for you. I know that not only are your colleagues getting excited about this, but I um, I was reading that you have a grant from the Lung Association. Um, yeah, it's... Uh... It's really cool. I can't even remember how, how did we get in touch with Nina you, at the Lung Association? Well, what, what was awesome was that sometimes anybody who's written grants, grant applications knows it can be very daunting. Oh, yes. What was awesome about what happened with us was we said, we have this idea for a program. Right. I just how, do we, how do we apply for funding? And they wrote back and said, we will fund your program. <laughs> That's right. I sent an email and said, hey, we've got this idea. Um, we're just wondering, is this something the Lung Association <laughs> would do? Like, how would we do it? How do we go about this? And um, Nina at the Lung Association of Alberta and Northwest Territories wrote back. She's like, I love it. This is exactly what we want to do. Can you just give me an outline of what you want to do and we'll put it in the budget? Oh, my goodness. Well, because she said this is this is part of our mandate, right? We, we want to be able to show that we're supporting in the community level, right? They do mm. a lot of They do a lot of funding of research, but research is it, it it's hard to understand as a lay person in the community yes. what is this scientist looking at this molecular it, biology slow moving right yes. if it's going to turn to a pharmacological treatment that's years down the road yeah. this is something we can do now you yeah. can come into our office right now and we could treat you yeah or, wow. or at least treat you. yeah we have to be careful with the language that we use but um, yeah, we can help you <laughs> right right now. And so they're they they were really all over it. Um, and so that's been really exciting because it, that was kind of that was kind of easy. It was actually an easy sell um, in that in that sense. And they've been very supportive of it. And in terms of helping us with the program and getting the word out. And um, yeah, it's it's been great. And it's awesome. Support. As a lot of people with chronic lung disease have they have trouble working. Yes. So they don't have a lot of money. like like to come to a singing lesson. We all know how expensive those are that would be prohibitive for a lot of people. So this is another way to reach out to the community and say, look, you know, we can, we can help you, you know, this is available. And for a lot of people, it, it, it made a big difference. Oh yeah. And we did, we did have very good results out of the the first session. So I'm, I'm really proud of that. And we'll just, we'll just keep going. And it's, it's wonderful that cost is not a factor here. I mean, it can only grow it can only move into other provinces and maybe down into the states in the uk they do have these types yeah. of programs in the uk already okay. um, that are supported by their lung foundation there mm-hmm. so i think the biggest thing is it just it requires champions right it requires yes. the people 
to step forward and say, hey, I'm interested in doing this mm-hmm. in Right. Um, and that I, I think if, if there's more qualified people that can step forward, I'm sure that just like we didn't really have that much difficulty getting funding for it. Um, I, I'm sure that that's there. Right. Wow. It just just requires the right kind of people to, to recognize it, I guess, and, and do the groundwork. This is so exciting. What exciting times for both of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we we'd kind of it's a one of a kind thing right now. So, yeah. Oh, I'm so thrilled for you both. Now, I want to go back to the classes that you're doing. So what kind of exercises, singing exercises, are you doing with the participants? Um, Okay, so Jessica mentioned that she starts off with, you know, postural things, stretching and breathing, breathing exercises. So what I like to do once people are more comfortable is take that, take those exercises to the next level, right? So much more athletic breathing exercises. So a classic one is actually a very classic voice teacher exercise, which is you inhale for two counts, you suspend the air for two counts, you exhale on a whatever consonant you want. Right. Um, and then let's expand that to four counts, six counts, eight counts, everybody's sitting down, right? (laughs) I guess we don't want anybody to, to pass out on us. Right. Um, but no, everybody's, everybody's pretty good. Um, so we're, we're good. Yeah. So an exercise like that. And then um, I, a lot of our participants have no experience with singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really go back to your, you have to really go back to the basics with a lot right. of them and let's just get some sound out. Let's try to sigh and let's mm. find some inflection. And did you know that your tongue is in your mouth and <laughs> you know, when you a, a K consonant, where does it, where does it connect? You know, is it in the middle? Is it in the back? Is it in the front? Um, I also do a lot of physiology. Okay. I talk I talk a lot about um, the way that the body is put together and how that translates to breathing because um, I find that for for as much as the their breathing is ruling their lives and I mean breathing rules all of our lives, but you know we're talking about people with chronic lung disease. Um, they don't get a lot of explanation about how things are happening or why things are happening. Good point. So, um, so like they'll go to the respirologist and the respirologist will say, you have asthma, here's your inhaler. Bye. You know, and that's, that's basically it. They don't, they don't talk about the diaphragm. They don't talk about how you need to, you know, create negative pressure within the lungs in order for the air to come in. They don't understand that that is a, like, if I expand my rib cage, air will fill my lungs. Right. Um, that's not part of that. So I, so I spend a lot of time doing that. Um, another classic exercise is, uh, it's a, it's a, I think it's Feldenkrais or some, some other method where you close your eyes and, um, inhale. And can you trace the route that that air takes from your nose or your mouth? How does it get into your lungs? Do you know? Right. So we talk about that passage that we, we talk about the, uh, the nasopharynx. We talk about, the oropharynx. We talk about the where. What does the larynx look like? Do you know wow. that you have vocal folds? Um, and for a lot of people, it, it's like a light bulb moment for mm-hmm. them. Um, I had we had one fellow. He was he was just wonderful. He had tuberculosis in childhood, wow. and um, so he had a lot of scar tissue. And he he was saying he said to me one day he put up his class in or he put up his hand in the class. And he says, you know, my wife 
has some trouble with um, scar in her shoulder. And so she goes for physiotherapy to break up that scar tissue. I have all of this scar tissue in my lungs. How do I break up that scar tissue? And I said, you do exactly what we're doing right now. You breathe, you sing, you move. Hey, that's the name of our program. (laughs) And that's what breaks up the scar tissue. And it was just like he paused for a moment and then his eyes went wide and he said, so I just have to practice this and I will be doing my physio. And I said, yes. And they're thinking, but this is fun physio. Well, then that's the thing is that when you, when you, when you get to the singing point, and I mean, we do a lot of, a lot of basic groundwork. We do a lot of semi-occluded vocal tract. We do a lot of sighing. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of staccatos, you know, to get the coordination of the air, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. When we get to the repertoire bits, you're putting all of that into practice and you're not even necessarily thinking about it. Right? right. So it's a fun way to get this work done. Right. And, mm. and I mean, when we really break it down, singing is really athletic, actually. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of control that's required. Um, so if you think about a short staccato passage versus, you know, four measures of legato, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and, and when we go higher, we have to vary the breath pressure. When we go louder, we have to vary the breath pressure, <laughs> you know, and, and so all of that is happening. There's so much coordination. It's so athletic. Um, and that is very, very helpful. What do you, when you get into songs, because you're dealing with people that maybe have never sung before, what, what do you go for? What kind of songs do you do with them? Um, well, my, my two go-tos um, are actually, I, I like to do things that don't require a lot of musicianship, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my go-to pieces are actually Edelweiss oh, nice. and, and Amazing Grace. <laughs> um, usually because people, people know them and mm-hmm. it's easy to sing along and it, they're not, they're not too difficult vocally, small ranges. Um, so then from there we branch out into, I love folk songs. Yep. Um, I've picked stuff out, um, you know, we're in Canada, so I've picked out stuff from, you know, grade one or two RCM, um, will work if we, if we can get there. Our first group actually started over Christmas. So we did a lot of Christmas carols and we did, uh, but let it be was a favorite one. Oh yeah. Yeah. We did, uh, we did let it be Beatle. Um, I had in mind to do Simon Garfunkel, Simon Garfunkel, you know, stuff that, that they can connect with. Do they ever request songs that they're dying to sing? Oh yeah. Well, there's a, there's a rule in the Goldenberg studio. Um, you can request, I have the power of veto. Oh, I like that. I'm stealing that rule. (laughs) So, so of course you can always make your request. Um, and sometimes actually there was one fellow in the, in the first group who, who asked if uh, we could sing the water is wide. And I said, sure. Oh, that's a beautiful song. He seemed actually surprised that I knew it. So (laughs) (laughs) How long is each session with your participants? Usually about an hour, an hour mm-hmm. and 15. Yeah. And then um, by the time oh, we, we, we kind of gauge a little bit longer time because then people have questions at the end or they want to, you know, tell us some little snippet of story. And some people want to work one-on-one for, yeah. for a few minutes. Yeah. There's oh, a okay. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll just, you know, just sneaking in. Well, you know, I noticed this. Yeah. Or when I, when I go to sigh, 
I, I can't get the sound to go. And they're like, Ooh, right? And you're like, right. Oh, okay, work that. <laughs> How many people do you usually have in a class? Well, we had 10 in our last one. 11. Oh, wow. I think we had 11. It was supposed to be capped out at 10, and I technical glitch with my computer booking system ended up with 11. But <laughs> usually what happens is is there's some – there's some form of attrition, not necessarily attrition, but, uh, you know, everyone shows up to the first two classes and then somebody misses one class or right. another. But that, have, that would be our lives. max anyway. Um, cause it's, it's a lot to try to give one-on-one attention in a group setting. If you have too large of a group. Absolutely. And you, and, and we really want to be able to give that one-on-one. Um, one of, one of the things for me with these classes is I'm, I'm really trying to fill uh, a gap in in pulmonary rehab. So remember those numbers I told you about with the 600,000 Albertans, and I think it's 64,000 Albertans with COPD, and only 1,000 of them have access to what we call pulmonary rehab, which is um, education and exercise and and, um, lifestyle management with living with a chronic disease like COPD. Um, So that means that there are... Five, three, what's that? Only a thousand. Only a thousand. Out of the 64,000. Okay, why is that? Why are we not helping more people? Well, that that's probably for another podcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. On and on about, right? Whereas, wh- why is that? Part of that is the funding isn't there, right? From okay. a provincial level that they've, they've decided that the funding needs to go elsewhere and mm-hmm. we can talk days about how they're probably wrong about that yeah. and they're mismanaging money that's that's a so that's, that's every healthcare that's system 60, across Canada right 63,000 people in Alberta alone yeah. who have COPD that are just wandering the streets going what, what do, do I, I do I don't yeah. know how to deal with my disease and so that was another reason why the lung association jumped onto this was mm-hmm. that they recognized that this was you know this there's a need for more mm-hmm. for more people with lung disease. And so um, that's what we're trying to do with this. And um, we're making it affordable and right. fun and, and not intimidating either. So people that are that that have lung disease and struggle to with basic everyday activities, um, it's intimidating to go to an exercise program. Of course. Right. So this might be the first step. Um, and and yeah, and so and even when you get pulmonary rehab and you get in that group setting, you really want to make sure that there's that individual, um, individual care, because in the end, you're not dealing with a problem. You're dealing with a person right? and their lung disease, you know, it manifests one way in Jane, but it manifests differently in Joe. And, and you've got to, you've got to be there and be available to do that. So we don't want to have, you know, a whole big gymnasium full of people with lung disease singing and, and no one's really getting anything out of it because no one knows what they're doing right or wrong on that kind of a set. Well, you want to nurture everybody. Exactly. Yeah. The nice thing about, um, about us is that we are available Mm-hmm. quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unlike a respirologist, for example, you have to make an appointment with and the, the specialists take right. months sometimes to get in with. Um, we are available to answer specific questions like now, right? Because again, if we go back to the, you go to your respirologist, you get a, you get a diagnosis of asthma, here's your inhaler, see ya, what are you going right. to do? You're going to go 
Dr. Google, right? Right. And, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people still don't understand. I mean, there, there are, there, there are, there are education programs available. There's definitely opportunities for people to learn more about their disease if they right. are being referred down the right um, paths so they can get more education. And there are, there are support groups too. Yeah, but there yeah. isn't, um, again, those education programs, because they are funded through the provincial government, right. The people I know, the people in the education programs that help people with lung disease, they their hands are tied in terms of how much time they can spend with a patient as well. Of course. So they they might be able to say, okay, here here is your lung disease. Here is what it means. Here's your medication. Here's how you take it. Here's how you manage it. Here's how you and they have an hour to give all of that information. And they might be able to do another follow up, but they might not. Um, it's a lot of information. So. Um, and it's overwhelming. And so just having one other resource out there where people can be at least saying the same thing, you're hearing the same message about how to manage life now living with a chronic disease, you know, that's always better. That's yeah, right? so we do, have, we do have that kind of um, lung health education. In addition to vocal health, there's there's lung health education in there as well, or the opportunity to, to ask those questions, right, and get the answers. And, and in our first group, we did find a significant improvement, like a, and I mean statistically significant improvement in the domain that we call mastery. And so that's, that's like if you have a cold, you know, to take a day off from work, to rest, to, you know, go take an Advil if you need. Although I say that in front of singers and they're all like, oh, I can't take Advil. <laughs> 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 right. Um, but you, you have a mastery of the common cold. You know, you don't need to go to the emergency room. Right. But you also know when you do need to go to the emergency room. Right. Mm. So we actually had an improvement in, in mastery, which was awesome. Right. So we, that means they have better control and better confidence in managing their own mm-hmm. disease. Right. And that that's really what we we strive for in, in healthcare anyway, is teaching, empowering people right. to manage their own um, health. Right. And so the more they know and the more confidence they have, um, the, the better their quality of life is going to be as well. It's difficult to understand what somebody is going through when they're dealing with a chronic disease. Uh, yes. Yeah. And a, and a chronic lung disease at that, that is, right. is kind of topmost. Breathing is pretty much number one. That's, right. that's what the body preserves first and foremost is mm-hmm. breathing. Um, and so just imagine when breathing is difficult and it's hard to imagine. It is. It's and, until it's taken away from you. And it doesn't get a lot of attention. Um, lung disease isn't, isn't sexy. So it doesn't get a lot of attention. It's not the in vogue. Um, you know, it's not the, the, the disease that's, you know, in everyone's forefront, right? Right. There's there's other ones that are taking, taking the spotlight, if you were yet lung disease kills more than any of them. (laughs) And part of that is the stigma because a lot of lung disease is associated with smoking. So it's sort of like, well, you made your bed. Yes. But that's not, but that is, not the case. No, for for many people, it's not the case at all. For many people, it's not the case, and and even and even still, they didn't necessarily choose lung disease. Of course. Right. Um, and once you start smoking, it's you, it's no longer your choice. Right. So those you know those are things that people have to do, and and it was interesting because I did. Now we're kind of going off on a tangent, but one of the, one of the participants of our last class. Um, felt embarrassed about her diagnosis and didn't want to tell everyone about it because she, 
Yep. Because she really felt like, um, it was her fault. Oh no. So yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the things that people are, are facing and, you know, we're just, we're trying to make their days better. I would imagine that together they create a community of support. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there was, there was. Yeah. And it was, I saw that a lot in in our first session. Um, People would say, how are you all dealing with the smoke? Or how how is the, how, how have you been, have you been sleeping since all of the snow started falling? You know, like stuff like that. And um, or how do you how do you deal with all of the phlegm? <laughs> uh, and so people people would ask those questions of of me or of Jessica, and they'd ask them of each other, right? So then they have that, then they know each other, they have that community, right? I would like to know what information you give them about dealing with phlegm. Uh, Rachel looks at it from above with the vocal health and staying hydrated and okay. things like that. Yeah. So yeah. And we talk about hydration coming in two forms, internal and external, um, internal being how much water are you drinking? And is that in proportion to the amount of caffeine or, um, that you're taking? Um, and some, some other, some of the medications also have dehydrating properties, right? So we talk about increasing your intake for that. Um, and then the external hydration, get a humidifier by your bed, right? Mm-hmm. And do we live in Calgary? Yes. That's- also, we live in Calgary, which is drier than it's Arizona. Point five percent humidity. <laughs> is it really? It's, it's very dry here. I did not know that. Oh, we are very dry. Yeah, we are. Super, super dry. Like here. imagine washing your face and not putting lotion on within the first five seconds. It is puckered. Really? Yeah. Not open yeah. Yeah. I felt like actually Vegas was more humid mm-hmm. than it is here. <gasps> like, no. I don't, have, I don't have to put on hand lotion all the time. I thought, <laughs> I thought Vegas was unbearably dry and you say Calgary is even more. I can't even. Yeah. Yeah. And talk to anybody from Calgary. They'll tell you. Wow. <laughs> thing as a clear nose in Calgary. Yeah, I know of it. No, and so yeah. that segues to the next important part of hydration, uh, external hydration, which is are you using a nasal saline rinse? And um, I always I always talk about how when I was um, visiting voice clinics and, you know, high-powered celebrities would come in looking for some kind of steroid and they'd go away with um, with a with a prescription that said rest hydrate. And here is a spray bottle for you, a nasal spray bottle. So, (laughs) and that, and that was it. And you're sort of going, well, don't you think it should be, you know, more than that? But nope, that's the biggest thing, rest and hydration, right? So, um, yeah, so we talk a lot about hydration and, and, you know, um, for a lot of people that is an eye opener and Mm -hmm. a game changer. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of that, um, there, there are other things and we yeah, can talk part, about airway clearance. Yeah. Techniques. So, I mean, there's lots of things we can do for airway clearance, singing being one of them, but, um, there's, um, certain, uh, breathing exercises. It's called the active cycle of breathing. So which actually, and if you're a singing teacher, you need to listen to this because, well, you'll see, she'll, she'll describe active cycle breathing. Okay, so, <laughs> so, uh, it's basically using, it's using your breath to clear um, to move mucus up into an air, air, into an airway that you can clear. So coughing really only clears the first six branches and there's like 27 branches in the airways of the air. Holy smokes. Okay. Did not know that. Bottom of the lungs. There's like, you know, there's a lot of airways and it's really the, the top six that 
coughing will clear out. So we use a breathing technique called the active cycle of breathing, which focuses on basically going through a cycle of breathing whereby you, you do smaller abdominal breaths mm-hmm. in and out, and then you would take a larger expansion in and then out, go back to smaller abdominal breathing, take another big expansive breath, go back to smaller abdominal breathing, and then you take a big breath in and then you huff out like you're polishing a mirror. <sighs> right. Wow. So you do a huff. And if there's fun there and you need to cough, then you cough once, cough twice, and then you end it. And you go back. If you don't have anything to clear out, then you would just repeat the cycle of breathing until you have it up to an area. So we'd really try to limit the cough, 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 cough. That, well, because most coughing is usually unproductive. Yes. Right. And so, so that's a different, if it's a dry cough, that's a whole nother ball of wax. But right. for people with lung disease that have a lot of mucus, there are tools we can use. They're called positive expiratory pressure. And it's like, you know, thumping on your chest. Okay. When you blow into these, they it creates a pressure inside that creates this vibration, which changes the viscosity of the mucus, right? So it makes it a little easier to move around okay. to get to a place that you can, and usually deep breathing is involved with it and it gets it to a place where you then can cough it out. Because remember, we have to get that mucus up into those toxic airways. So listen to the language that she's using and tell me that that isn't what we see in the vocal (laughs) Right? Because she's talking about pressure oscillations combined with high velocity airflow, right? Right. And every singer has experienced the change in mucus viscosity. When yep. you have a cold and you start singing, you get a whole lot phlegmier really mm-hmm. fast, yep. right? And so that's that was one of the things that I that I was when I was doing my reading. I'm like, wait, 0.98 kilopascals is enough to change the rheological properties of mucus and make it, and change its viscosity and spinability. Wait, what is the value for, for soft speech? Is 0.6 kilopascals. Right. And we go all the way up to seven kilopascals during the during the loudest singing. Right. So, um, you know, singing can potentially and I have to say this as this is purely theoretical. This has not been tested, um, but singing can theoretically help to clear mucus and have a hygienic effect on the respiratory tract. Uh, I have. Well, I know that most voice teachers have, I've, you, we've all worked with singers with some sort of respiratory condition, whether it's asthma or chronic bronchitis. This information is so helpful. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why, that's why we put it out there. So um, it's, it's important. I get, I get emails almost daily from teachers who are saying, you know, I have my, I, I had one specific. Um, my mother has COPD can I do straw exercises with her? I'm worried mm. that she has a heart attack. What? <laughs> because because we're just we're afraid, right? Right. It's like how do we deal with somebody with this? Of course. Um, and in the voice community, we are taught like we 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 put out this message a lot, especially from vocal health. If you are unsure, refer on, and that is absolutely 100% sure. If true, if you are unsure about how to deal with a voice if you think that they might have a pathology like in terms mm-hmm. of the, the, where they need to be seen by a laryngologist they need to be referred on if this is beyond your skill set refer them on to somebody that has that skill set mm-hmm. right know enough to know what you don't know right mm-hmm. of course and and the same the same thing will go for for people with 
lung disease too. If you're unsure, ask, right? We're here. We're here for that. Um, but I think because of this message, we're sort of, we're sort of afraid to do anything, you know? Um, and, and I think that a good voice teacher and certainly the people that are listening to this podcast are, are going to be very interested in growing as teachers and accumulating, um, different tools for their toolbox, which is the hallmark of an excellent voice teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you can trust to a certain point, you can trust your teacher instincts. If you see somebody that's not breathing well, you can probably help them to breathe better. So exciting. And as far as you both know, you, this is the only program in Canada. Yeah, it's, uh, that looks Certainly, like, yeah. that looks like ours. I think there are some music therapists out in, uh, out in the Maritimes that might be doing like a, a more like casual singing group. Yeah. I don't think they're quite as intensive as we are or with the same focus, but yeah, we, as far as we know, we are unique. Even, even the UK program, they don't collaborate. They don't, um, necessarily incorporate physio. Yeah. So it's, yeah, we would be unique in that sense for sure. Um, I think there probably are other singing groups out there. They're probably volunteer led. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be some with people with respiratory education, but I, 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 I myself in what I'm working on is I'm kind of the lone wolf as well. There's um, not too many other physios that I know of that are working in private practice in lung health. There's certainly physios that are, are, are working in, we call them chest physios. They would be within the hospitals right. in a different capacity, um, but certainly not in the community to what I've been doing. At least I haven't experienced anyone that's that's doing what I'm doing. So Oh well ladies, I I have been smiling from ear to ear since we started talking. I love your excitement. I love your collaboration. And I am so thrilled that you could share your program. Now do you have any programs coming up? Like are you doing another session with the patients soon? We sure are. It starts uh, September twenty fifth. Oh so okay program starting September 25th. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the, the next latest and greatest one. It, it, yeah. it, we are still in the process of, well, I, and I don't know that would, would ever end. We kind of each time we run it, sit down and go, okay, how could that have gone better? What should we do this, mm-hmm. this time instead? Yeah. And so, so like we start with 14, 13, 13, 13 weeks. I forget how long it was. <laughs> it was long. <laughs> it was really long. So we decided that it, it was, was too, too long. long. And so we shortened it and I felt like it was way too, too short. short. So now we're tweaking it again. And, um, you know, because we are just constantly self-evaluating and trying to make it better. I love it. As, as we always should be doing anyway. Of course, so. of course. So, and as, and as this, I mean, as you just keep getting feedback and feedback, do you um, have a website or are you collecting this information and presenting the, your research? Well, it's not a, uh, it's not a um, official research project. Yeah. We do right. collect information. We have um, intake questionnaires and exit questionnaires so that we can monitor if we're making an effect because we are getting money from the Lung Association. We want to show them that we're making a difference, right? Because right. then that's going to increase the likelihood of them um, continuing to fund us. And so we are doing it on that perspective. Um, there's talk of turning it into a formal pilot yeah, once, project. Once we're more comfortable with um, the method, because when, if you go to do like an actual publishable research project, you have to 
you have to commit to doing things one way. You can't tweak it as you go necessarily. Right, right. So right. once we get it dialed in and we feel good about it, then we can do that. And, you know, mm-hmm. that, that will pave the way potentially for future funding and expansions. And, you know, like I said, that, that gap in pulmonary rehab is, could this be one of the things that we, we kind of find external funding for to get it out there for, for people to access? Um, you know, the people with these kind of chronic diseases are, are generally older, um, Mm -hmm. are already tapped out funding wise. And Mm -hmm. so, we've got to find ways to provide this kind of care, um, at an affordable, affordable way, but then recognizing that we're also tapped out on healthcare dollars. So how do we make this work, right? What I would absolutely love is if we can revisit and I have you both back maybe a year or two from now, and you can you can share how your program has grown and how many people you've helped. I, that would be so exciting. Well, you never know. Maybe there'll be like a breathe, sing, move, and in Ontario. <laughs> in Ontario, <laughs> based on us. Well, I am hoping to teach a course in the spring in in Ontario. I've been requested to come out there, so <gasps> if I can convince some more people, like physiotherapists or respiratory therapists, to to kind of do what I am doing. Then, then it's easier to I know get it out there. And I know that there are lots of voice teachers out in oh, There's <laughs> a lot of us. Well, I am going to put all of your information uh, on our podcast page on our website so that if anybody is interested, they can get more information. Are both of you open to people reaching out and contacting you? Absolutely. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep, we're available everywhere. And now I'm on social media, thanks to you. (laughs) (laughs) Because you listened to the podcast about social media? I did, yes. Oh my goodness, I love that. I love Karen, she's so lovely. Yeah, so we're on on Facebook, we have have websites, and I'm um, at Healthy Voice YYC on Twitter. Oh, okay. PT. Yeah, PT. Oh, okay. I will. Well, I'm going to share all of your information and I am wishing you wonderful success with your session coming up in September. And, uh, and we will keep in touch because I think, I think uh, I want you guys to come back and report back on how everything is going. Absolutely. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Rachel, so much. Thank you for listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and teacher resources, please visit our website at thefullvoice.com. Made by Canoe Music. Canoe